Every six months, ServiceNow has a new major family release, and as developers, you've got early access to these releases. Well, it's that time of year again when we explore the cool new toys you've got to explore. Join Andrew Barnes and me as we discuss a few of our favorites in the San Diego release. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And I say that with the utmost love and respect and excitement this time because, ooh, I've got the pleasure once again talking to no stranger of the show, of ServiceNow developers anyway, Mr. Andrew Barnes. How are you today, Andrew? Oh, I'm doing just delightful. Thank you so much for having me on again, Chuck. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And this is exciting time because this podcast will be released shortly after our early availability. So people will have a little bit of time to explore. Perhaps they've seen the Tech Now episode on the 3rd. If you haven't, go back and watch it. Uh, that'll really give you an overview of all the stuff I can cram into an hour. But uh, for now, welcome back to Breakpoint. You've been on the show a couple times before, and uh, I think you hold the record now of most appearances. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's great. This is this is number three, right? I believe this is number three. Our okay. last time was this time last year talking about two releases ago. Was it really? It, was, it really was. <laughs> um, just for the listener who has not heard your voice before or may not know you, this may even be the first time they've found the podcast. They're brand new to service now. Let's not make any assumptions. Let's uh, introduce yourself. Well, welcome to listening to this podcast. My name's Andrew Barnes. I am a product success manager here at ServiceNow. And what that means is I work with our top customers to understand and enable them to adopt new products and features and capabilities on the platform. And then we take that information from those learnings to improve the product and to provide that information to our customer outcome peers so they can do that at scale with all of our great and wonderful customers. So you're like a pilot program for some of these products. Absolutely. That is that is uh, one of our pillars is helping those first customers um, use those products and understand them and get those first victories. Oh, that's exciting because then you can see you know, what's working, what's not, and even get that back to the product development teams. Absolutely. So the new release time is an exciting time for me and my team because we 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 get new things to uh, into the hands of our customers and and we go help them understand those and use them and and get that leveraging uh, feedback to our product management teams to improve those for the next release. So this is very similar to what you did as a developer advocate, except instead of just exploring and sharing, it's exploring and implementing and discovering and sharing. There's, there's sort of an extra implementation phase in there, some, some hands-on and face-to-face with the customer. Absolutely. So working with those you know, hands-on implementations to really understand at a deep level those products um, adds that extra a bit of information that, you know, just trying things out uh, doesn't, doesn't give you. And I'm sure the next time we talk, you'll probably have a different job with a different role. So, Hey, we get to cover that segment again over and over. <laughs> uh, absolutely. We do. I mean, ServiceNow is a, is a growing company and uh, we, uh, we like to keep things fresh. So when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Ooh, I love 
to do a, a whole bunch of different things. Um, traveling, uh, which I haven't been able to do a ton of lately, is one of my favorites uh, because it, it allows me to go and meet and explore new people and environments. Uh, in the same vein, reading is, is another similar sort of uh, itch that that uh, provides for me. Outside of those two things, um, uh, computer gaming is a, is a big thing that I do on a, a fairly regular basis. And right now, that's in automation and factoring building games like Factorio and Dyson Sphere. Sounds like a lot of fun. You must be excited to get back to traveling now that traveling is opening up again and again. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I love traveling. So the the ability to, to get out and uh, see uh, our customers in, in different areas. Uh, so my, my last trip was with one of your teammates uh, to Denver to, to visit some of our service now developers and organizations in that area. Excellent, excellent. And uh, let's get on to our main topic because that's what we're here to discuss. As of February 3rd, 2022, our San Diego release is available in early access on personal developer instances, or as we call them, PDIs. And just to note, some of the things we talk about may not be available until general availability or GA later in the quarter, and some available through the store. So just want to make that distinction that Everything we talk about may not be on your instance February 3rd. So don't be surprised. We'll try to call that out where available. But uh, let's talk about some of your favorites, Andrew. Where would you like to begin? Oh, I think, uh, well, since we're talking about some things that are deployed through the store, let's start with one of those, okay. which is uh, App Engine Studio. Yes. So App Engine Studio is our, our great new environment for uh, developers and to get into the platform and, and build custom apps. The goal of App Engine Studio is to lower the bar for opening up who a ServiceNow developer is to a broader audience. And with the San Diego release, um, which will be at the general availability date, we've added some new capabilities. And so let's talk about them. The yeah. first one that, I, that I, I'm so excited about is application templates. So last year, um, when App Engine Studio was first released, ServiceNow provided uh, some templates that you can use to accelerate your application development. And we're gonna continue to provide those. But we got feedback from a lot of our customers that they have organization-specific things that they want to have app templates based around. And so we've added in this release, the ability for them to create their own app templates that they can then provide to their citizen developers as a starting point that is specific to their organization's needs. And so that one's really exciting for me. And we're going to continue to enhance that capability. Um, but this first release um, is, is coming right around the corner. I remember when you and I were involved with some internal meetings, building some of those early application templates that were shipped with AES. The system was architected around those templates. This isn't just an add-on that we came up with in the last few months. This was built into the whole AES structure. And the reason it took a while is because we wanted to make sure that the application template build process, converting a scoped app to a template, was as smooth as possible. And let me tell you, some of those early... Uh, trials were 
pretty manual and we didn't no. want to expose our customers to that. And I'm being kind with that word. You, you are being kind. That was, uh, yeah, we did work on those very first app templates, uh, you and uh, Brad and myself. And, and that, that was a painful experience, which we would have never delivered uh, that way to our customers. Uh, but, you know, as you're, as you're building these things and then using them, uh, sometimes uh, you have to, to, to deal with uh, some of those manual processes until, uh, you know, you've finished building all the scaffolding. This really, really gives an accelerator to AES because, like you said, customers have these repeatable patterns, these application uh, use cases that occur. Maybe it's slightly different from one department to another, or you just need to get a quick request out there, but it's got to be the Acme Corp way of doing this. So it's it's a way of, of really accelerating that. And using the templates is so darn easy. It's just like using an Excel template or a PowerPoint template. It says, I want to start a new one, use this template, and the bones are fleshed out for you. You just fill in a few blanks and you've got yourself an app uh, and you're well on the way. And you can continue to extend that. It's not just, hey, I filled in a few blanks and there's my app. If you need an extra notification, put it in there. You need an extra workflow, put it in there. It's it, it's just so much faster to build off of a template. And now that people can build their own, I can foresee uh, you know, some organizations just having like a template building department of, of application development. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, you know, having uh, professional ServiceNow developers who are expert and, you know, that's their main job. Uh, that's what I see us doing at our customer organizations is providing the the tools for others to take advantage of the capabilities easier and faster on the platform. So let's move on and talk about the next uh, feature that's oh, yeah. in App Engine oh, Studio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Table Builder got some enhancements as well uh, with the addition of bringing in the Form Builder um, right into Table Builder. Now, wait a sec. We already had Form Designer, which was an easy drag and drop. What does Form Builder give us on top of that? Oh, well, that's a good question. So it is a revamped experience from the ground up. And I, I know that I previously used both Form Designer and Form Layout mm -hmm. because each of them had good... Uh, things that they were they were focused on and and easy to use for. Um, so form designer was is nice for laying out the form and uh, form layout was was really great. It's just going fast and and doing things like dot walking. Um, the new form builder um, adds both of those capabilities into the same interface as well as doing things like bringing UI policies into the mix for you all in one interface. Uh, so I actually think that I'll, this will cause me to stop using both form designer and form layout, which is impressive to get me to stop using form layout. That Yeah, that's a powerful statement from an old timer. <laughs> it's like, ditch the old stuff because we get in our way, our habit ways of doing things. And like you said, if it's, if it's the form layout was very fast, you could get in, it didn't have a lot of time to render things, you could dot walk. Uh, you could create fields. It wasn't quite as convenient to do the layout and the field creation and you know, adding annotations and whatnot as Form Designer was. 
especially when it came to sections. You know, form sections were much easier in Formulate, especially if deleting a form section. It's like, that was the one thing that, I remember there was a community question that says, how do I delete a form section? I said, you go into form design and you hit the X. Yep. <laughs> <That> was it. <laughs> it was so much better for sections. Uh, so yeah, each had their strength. And now we've taken those strengths and combined them in one interface, which I think is very valuable. Oh, that's awesome. All right. We, you sound like you're on an AES role, so keep going. I, I am on an AES role. So um, we'll touch on two more real quick. So um, as time goes on, we'll be adding more and more of our interfaces and capabilities into App Engine Studio. And so two of those that were added uh, in this release are um, being able to edit process automation designer uh, flows and uh, using the decision builder. So unfortunately, with this release, you don't yet have the capability to create those process automations, but you get to edit existing ones, uh, which is a, a step in the right direction. Um, and we'll continue to add new interfaces as they are brought and appropriately scoped for our App Engine Studio users. Nice. And Pad has been around since, was it not Orlando, Paris? When do we introduce before? Platform Automation Designer. Oh, I think Paris sounds about right. Yeah, okay. So Paris, we'll go with that. I I'm, I used to keep track of all these things because there weren't as many of them. It was easier back in Eureka. Now, Decision Builder, we have, we've had decision tables before. I, explain what those are and, and the benefit to the developer. Absolutely. So uh, decision tables, as you said, uh, existed prior. So what we've added is a new... Uh, next experience-based decision builder to uh, craft and manage those decision tables. And what those decision tables allow you to do is have data-driven based decisions. So you can incorporate those into things like Flow Designer. And when the data behind those decisions change, you can delegate that out to a business owner to be able to just change that directly and not have to have a developer go back and change how the flow works um, because it, it's data-driven. Data-driven design. There's a drum I continue to beat. Find a way so you don't have to go back and change code or change a flow or something every time someone changes a business requirement. My classic case is airline miles. It used to be 25000 to get to silver, and then they changed it to 30000 Well... You don't want a developer to go back and just change a silly number. Absolutely. Like, let not. somebody else do that. A process owner, you give them permission to that decision table and say, this is your table. You go take care of it. You may want to test those changes in a subprod instance first, but I don't have to change any code that I've written to do that. That's the idea behind data-driven design so that you reduce your maintenance costs overall. That is a well-designed application. So decision builder lets you modify those easily without having to go through the raw tables in the standard UI. I love it. I love it. Awesome. So is this the entire AES show or do you have something? <laughs> I know there's more to San Diego than, than that. Absolutely. There's more to San Diego than that. We've got some big ones actually coming up uh, that I'd like to talk about. And, and one really big area is our new experience builder. So UI builder, which allows you to create that next version of our experiences on our platform 
has got some uh, great enhancements and we could probably spend a whole episode just talking about that. But I picked out two things that I wanted to, to touch on here that I think are really good quality of life improvements uh, in that UI builder. Um, but we'll have further episodes and shows in some of our other venues uh, to further elaborate on that. Um, but let's let's touch on those today. So you're you're very familiar with UI Builder, aren't you, sir? Yes, that's the uh, drag and drop and configurable UI you use to manage your workspaces, your configurable workspaces. So you could put a new uh, data visualization on there, or a list of records, or a form, or and and allow them to interact with each other. So very powerful stuff with UIB. It's it's it, it, you can go from very simple actions to seriously complex stuff. Absolutely. And so uh, the first enhancement I want to talk about is the JSON editor. So for developers, you know, we're fairly familiar with, you know, creating uh, JSON objects and we even, you know, have to go and do that, you know, directly manually a bunch of times, but it doesn't mean we want to. It's like Tetris. You see it in your sleep after a while. I see JSON payloads. There's an array of objects coming at me. Um, and, and with this enhancement uh, to our JSON editor, uh, now you can, uh, you could still get to, you know, seeing it directly and edit it, uh, you know, manual way if you'd like. But we have a data driven, you know, a very familiar interface like from Flow Designer with the data pills to use to craft uh, our JSON objects in UI Builder now with the JSON editor. Now, does this just do flat JSON objects with name value pairs or can you do nested things? How, how complex does the JSON editor let you get? So it doesn't let you get super crazy uh, deep, uh, but um, you know the, it will continue to have enhancements over time. So I believe right now that it's uh, fairly flat objects, which is what most of our components need right now. Sure. But we have a more complex one hiding out in Integration Hub in the Action Designer that maybe we could borrow. Potentially. Absolutely. Complex objects. Yeah. I love it when ServiceNow, you know, uses the same patterns um, from one builder to another. So uh, I look forward to, to further enhancements in that editor. Um, if you've ever used UI Builder, uh, one of the things that you'll notice is, you know, you have to go and retrieve data from ServiceNow right. regularly and provide that to your components. So the, the next enhancement that I want to talk about is called, uh, is, is a new thing called Repeater. And so what Repeater does is it allows you to uh, retrieve your data um, and then uh form that data into um, an array that you can then provide to different components on the same interface. So you can, uh, you know, if you think about, um, you know, a multi-score uh, boxes sort of yeah. at the top of an interface, yeah. you can retrieve all of the data for those five different boxes with one call and one repeater and just feed the individual bits of data to those five different components um, all through one setup process instead of having to do that whole setup five times. So it's kind of like an NG repeat in Service Portal. I've got my data. I already read that big array of objects once. Here, you go digest it and iterate and make a list or whatever. Wow, that's nice. How did we do that before? Was it individual data reads? 
it was individual data reads oh, for heck. each one, and I had to do the full setup for each one. Ugh, that doesn't seem efficient. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No one does it. So uh, talking about, you know, we're talking to mostly ServiceNow developers here. And so moving into the next topic. Oh, I love this one. I love this one. This this has to be my one of my favorites. <laughs> this automated test framework. Uh, yeah, so automated test framework is near and dear to to me as a, a former uh, developer, and with the enhancements that we have in the San Diego release for ATF, uh, it really starts to feel more like a developer tool to me. Yep. So the the two enhancements that we brought to the table here are the first one is breakpoints. This is not a drinking game. You do not have to take a drink every time someone says breakpoint on the breakpoint podcast. Just setting that out there. <laughs> Which is a great point. So but before I cover breakpoints, uh let me make sure everyone knows what automated test framework is. Yes. So if you're not aware of that, um I know that we we definitely on the developer blog have quite a bit of information about ATF, how to use it and leverage it. But at its surface is it is a way to test ServiceNow functionality on ServiceNow. That is a big benefit because ServiceNow knows how to interact with ServiceNow's interface. And whereas if you use some other third-party testing tool, you have to adjust that tooling every time ServiceNow makes a release because it doesn't know how to test ServiceNow. Um, so automated test framework uh, is a great addition to any developer pipeline. And the benefit is you you can speed up your upgrades because you've already written these tests. You just go, hey, run this whole suite and make sure my app still runs, make sure my process still runs. And you can speed up your releases so you can write these tests for each application, for each process, let's say incident management or catalog items or whatever, and just click that button again and say, we're going to do our February 2022 release. Let's make sure it works before. Don't forget to run your test before to make sure that everything does work. Then you do your release, then you, or your upgrade, then you run the test after. And if everything turns out green, you're good to go. I mean, it is such an accelerator. Yes, it does require some investment in writing those tests, but let's be honest, good developers write tests when they write their code, write their flows, right? You, you want to make sure that you can sign off on your work. Absolutely. And the earlier you get the feedback, the better. So when we're crafting those tests, um, this is when uh, breakpoints come in real handy. So you know, as a, a developer, you might be familiar with using breakpoints in your scripting to pause an execution and see what it is at that point. Well, so this is a very similar functionality for ATF. So you put in a breakpoint on a step and that pauses that run of that test so that you can see what the environment is like at that time so that you can troubleshoot why it may not be working as you expected it to at that point. I I love this. You've got the similar controls you do as for scripting with a step over and a continue to run and allow you to walk through your test step by step with the and and they're so easy to implement. You go to the related list, you right click on the step and say put a breakpoint here and you get the little red indicator on your step that says here's a breakpoint. Now these are specific to the person running the test. So if I'm on an instance running, say, oh, the basic UI test, and I say, put a breakpoint on step two, and 
Andrew comes along and runs the same test, you're not going to get a breakpoint. In fact, I, I don't even think the debug test button shows up if there's no breakpoints. I got to double check that because there's a new button. There's still run test, which runs the test front to back. And that's what you want your ordinary testers to run. But you as a developer yeah. want to look at debug test, new UI action button on the form to say, I want to run, but I want you to honor the breakpoints for me. Yeah, and that's a very good point. Um, breakpoints are session specific, just as the scripted breakpoints are. So the next uh, really powerful thing that that's being added with the San Diego release is the pause before rollback. Oh, how many times have we been asked for this? And I believe both of these were idea portal originals. So keep submitting your ideas. They did originate in the idea portal. And so our product managers do absolutely go and review those ideas and take them for uh, helping prioritize. So pause before rollback is really valuable, especially on those failed tests. So when you have a test failure, it, you can run it again, hit and run it with the pause before rollback so that you can take a look and inspect those records, because if you don't know uh, what happens uh, at the end of an ATF run is all of those records are removed. And so they are cleaned up at the end of the process. The evidence is gone. It's hard to debug when you have no evidence. <laughs> it, is, it is very hard to debug when you have no evidence. So those screenshots aren't always all you need to understand what went wrong. And so the, the breakpoints and pause before rollback really help. Uh, for you to dive in and understand um, why something isn't working as expected. So yeah. great enhancements to ATF. Think of the pause before rollback as a breakpoint right after the last step is complete. Because if you put a breakpoint on the last step, it's going to stop before the last step, which may be where your error is. It may not be. But pause before rollback will let you stop and inspect. It's just a little checkbox on the modal that says, hey, you want to run your test? Yes, I do. But oh, check that box and now run my test. We talked a little bit about process automation designer and I'm going to sneak in this next one real quick um, because there is something called catalog order guide sequencing. Oh my God, how many times? <laughs> this is another one where every developer has done this at some point in their history. You got, oh, again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, with this enhancement, um, has actually been deployed using Process Automation Designer. So the way that you craft the sequencing for order guides um, with this release is actually in Process Automation Designer, which I thought was a really great uh, innovative way to uh, add this functionality. And the, the lanes and ordering in those lanes is just a perfect match for how we want to, to do this order guide sequencing. So... Uh, it's really great. It's it's worth going and checking out. This was one of those chocolate, peanut butter. Hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> who who thought of that? Whoever it was, good job. Genius. <laughs> it might have even been a customer going, why don't we just do this this way? All right. Developers, what have we got for our, our longtime developers? Oh, we've got some good things for our longtime developers. So if you've ever used source control on our platform, we've got some enhancements for you to, to improve how you're using source control. So the first one is um, something called stashing. So when you're working in source control and you do a, um, you know, a, a commit, we've got the option to selectively choose which things are committed. 
uh, and that's great. But when we switch versions, so if I switch branches and mm-hmm. I'm connected to source control, any of that stuff that's not yet committed gets put in a stash. Um, and previous to San Diego, um, that stash was flattened. So previously, I could see, uh, you know, separate um, work by different developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this enhancement, we're actually keeping those now separated. And the mechanism, again, is sort of that peanut butter and jelly uh, or peanut butter and chocolate method, which is we're using batching to actually keep the hierarchy of the stashes and allow you to selectively deploy back um, which part of that stash you'd like. Um, So under the hood, it's actually update set batching and choosing which of those update sets or the whole batch to deploy back after switching a branch. Oh, that's what's going on. Okay, interesting. Because, yeah, I've done stashing in the past, but it's generally me and my changes. But in a multi-person, multi-developer environment, I can see that being uh, a big detriment. You're going, okay, let's stash these, and then you bring them back, and you have to bring back all of them, and you don't know who owned them before the stash and unstash happened. Like, yeah, this is this is nice. Yeah, it, this will really help those uh, multiple developer environments that that are working on many different features on the same app at the same time so that they can switch and share that instance between different branches and just deploy their work onto their branch as they need. So this is a great feature for them. And talking about switching uh, branches, um, deploying from the app repo uh, is another time in which uh, we've got some improvements for you, which is the uh, source control it has done a really good job for fast deployments of switching between branching mm-hmm. um, because it only does uh, delta checking to see what has actually changed and only focus on those. And that sort of functionality has been added to the application repository what? to only do delta checking. Oh, man. I have like this monster application that's got 30 tables and you know, a bazillion script includes and flows. And I swear that thing takes 45 minutes to do an update right now. It is painful. And I don't want to release as often because it takes so long. But if we're doing deltas on the app repo, sign me up. <laughs> well, all you have to do is upgrade to San Diego and then you'll have access to that capability. Oh, February 3rd, February 3rd. I, I got to look forward to that. As we record this, it's still in the future. Re- really speed up that uh, application uh, update and deployment for you um, for that second install. So, oh. you know, you're changing to the next version. It's only going to bring in those app files that have actually changed. So it should really accelerate. I can suffer one more time. So Flow Designer. Tell me what, we're always improving something. It's hard to believe that there's still more to come in Flow Designer, but we do. Oh, so. Flow Designer, my friend, is 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 so great. I've, I've been a big fan of Flow Designer uh, since... I believe the term is Fladvocate. <laughs> since before uh, I joined ServiceNow. So I love Flow Designer. And there is always new things in Flow Designer. And it, it's very exciting. And it's hard to even narrow it down to just the things uh, that we want to focus on. Um, 
harking back to our talk about App Engine Studio and those app templates, well, another one of the places in which you can have templates is in Flow Designer. Yes. So Flow Templates. Um, If you have been using App Engine Studio, you might have seen that Flow Templates are available there for you. And similarly to the creation of app templates, you're going to be able to create flow templates. Is it just flows or does it include subflows? Uh, it should include subflows as well, sir. We can make subflow templates. That would be really nice. So flow templates allow you to get the same benefits you do with those app templates. It allows you to create organization-specific templates for you to provide to your larger developer ecosystem at your organization uh, to help them accelerate and follow the good practices that you have in your organization. Um, and I'm just so excited that that this first capability is being released uh, to create your own flow templates. I think while there's been great adoption of Flow Designer, this will just further lower the floor for getting in there and spreading the Flavicate <laughs> message broader. Moving on to the next thing in Flow Designer, though, is is probably one of my favorite things in this whole release, <laughs> which is flow diagramming. Okay. Explain that. I build a lot of flows. Yeah. And many of my flows use flow logic. And when you're using those flow logic, uh, it can be difficult when you first open a flow to see the pattern of how it works. So with that flow logic, you know, you you might have tabbed in and then tabbed in and then tabbed in, and it's not visually very clear right off the bat what's happening. With flow diagramming, we actually have a visualization that right off the bat reaches out from the screen and screams to you the organization of the flow and how it's going to proceed down the page. Have you have you had a chance to see the flow diagramming yet uh, and, and want to share a little bit about what that looks like? Uh, one of the things that I loved from one of the uh, demos that I looked at was that it allows you to find dead ends, really. I, it, the example I saw was it had an if with an end action on it, which says, you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200, your flow is done, I'm canceling you. And it also had an else with the same path. But underneath on the main branch at the same level as the if they had a couple more actions which would never get run because that you could never get to right and the flow diagrammer will catch that says this is untouchable this will never run you might want to look at your flow again to find out who wrote this and why i mean not in quite so verbose terms but you can visually see that yeah so if you're familiar with uh, you know any of the the broad diagramming uh, sort of uh, process tools out there this will look familiar to you. Um, so it is still the same flow under the hood, and you can toggle back and forth between the interface. Um, but the the diagramming interface allows you to to see in a visual manner how the each step progresses, and especially for all of those flow logics, yeah. the way that we're presenting those makes it really clear what your flow is doing and when. And just makes it that much easier when you're picking up uh, and editing an existing flow or trying to understand what it's doing. So I'm super excited. Like when you get to an if statement, 
one of the nice touches they have on there is, you know, if amount is greater than a thousand, it actually says on the branches, yes, go this way. No, go that way. (laughs) You can't get much simpler than that for someone who wants to read a flow. Yeah. So, so those are great. And and I'm super excited about it. So with a previous release, so our Rome release, we added, I believe it was Rome, um, error handling in our flows. And we've added some enhancements to that error handling um, to add some new logic in there uh, to uh, further uh, enable you to handle those cases in which a flow errors. But on top of that, we've added this new functionality in San Diego for try catch. What that allows you to do is to, for particular types of errors in particular places in your flow to handle scenarios um, in which you want to proceed with your flow, even if uh, a certain part of it errors. So developers are are probably already familiar with that try and catch methodology, but uh, we brought this now into uh, Flow Designer uh, for you to be able to continue with your flow in, in some of those cases in which you know that you might have an error and you know what you want to do in that case. Yeah, probably for like non-catastrophic things. Like, you know, I, I, I tried this integration or I tried to create this thing. It didn't work, but that's not the end of the world because I can proceed with some other stuff in this flow as well. Whereas the error handler is, you hit an error, you're done. It doesn't do anything more. It's, it, it may, the error handler should will open up the case for you or send a notification. But at that point, the flow is essentially done. Try-catch lets you put those blocks of safety nets around certain sections of your flow, which I absolutely love. And then the next uh, thing in Flow Designer that I want to touch on real quick is you know, sort of related to uh, our first topic, which is App Engine Studio. So we're adding uh, you know, more capabilities in App Engine Studio, and one of those is the ability to pair Excel imports into App Engine Studio. So we've got a new interface for how to do imports um, that's revealed in Integration Hub. And we're also exposing that to those users in App Engine Studio. So it's a very uh, intuitive drag and drop interface for importing and mapping that import to your data um, with this new Excel import. and. Again, this is another one of those ways in which we're trying to make it easier for developers of all levels, but lowering that bar for who can bring their data into the platform for uh, data loads from uh, something like App Engine Studio. Exactly. I love this because it's going to really help those Excel jockeys out there take a standard list and turn it into an app and then add some logic to it and then add some notifications and some reporting and really get a central authority instead of multiple people in the department modifying that Excel file and changing the views and hiding columns and, oh, the pain we've all suffered. (laughs) And so I have heard really great things over years of some of the things that you have shown uh, to our customers and, and prospective customers where you did those sort of, uh, you know, create an app in one minute from Excel sorts of things, um, presentations that, that you've given before. And, and this allows you to not just create an app from that, but then update those tables 
um, after creation. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes we'd make that experience of getting started with the table really fast and easy, but not actually loading real data into it afterwards. Oh, much nicer. I'm going to have to update that demo. <laughs> nah, we'll leave that to Tom. Tom's the demo guy. So the last thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, and I think I'm saving the the big lead for last year. <laughs> this, is, this is your Steve Jobs moment. Oh, oh one more thing. One, one more thing. You may have noticed that the main platform interface in ServiceNow has not had an uplift in oh, quite a while. Five, six years? UI 16 would kind of imply when it was done. Has a little implication there on, on when it was released. So we get a well, UI 22? We get a brand new Next Experience in ServiceNow. And that's what we're calling it, is Next Experience. You have the ability with San Diego to adopt our new experience. So we've uplifted all of the main platform experience on the platform. And it is such a joy to work with. I have been using it on some of our internal instances for uh, several months now, and it is such a joy to work in this new interface. Uh, and, and, and I'm not that excited about interfaces usually. <laughs> Who moved my cheese is usually the first one. Like, where is this function now? How do I do this? The transition on this is so simple. You should not get any pushback from your end users if you turn this on. Obviously, you want to make sure your documentation and whatnot is up to date. So we've turned it on by default on new instances, but for existing instances, you have the choice of when you turn this on. So Absolutely. It, and, and I also want to point out the term next experience is all-encompassing. Now experience is no longer a thing. It is all next experience. So if you've heard terms in the past like Polaris, Seismic, Tectonic, Now Experience, it's all next experience. Don't ask me what comes after next experience. We haven't got there yet. <laughs> I'm not in the branding department. I did not choose this name. It is what it is. We're going with it. That is a really good point. Uh, we have unified that name. And as you said, when you're moving to San Diego and looking to adopt this new experience, um, it is controllable by the admin on the instance as to whether that's enabled or not. And it's also controllable down to the individual user to whether or not they want to be on this uh, new experience or not. So what does all that mean is... You get, uh, so if you've been using things like UI Builder and using our new components and interfaces, well, all of that that we've been providing in UI Builder, those, you know, the new list uh, component, the new form component. So all of those workspace type experience visuals that you've had previously, um, but they were in silos. This is now bringing all of that centrally to the main platform. So exposes, you know, anytime you go to any list, once you've enabled next experience for a user, it will be in a next experience list. So that to me really just makes it easy to adopt because I'm not getting it in some places and not in others. It's when I go to a list, I get, I get the new experience. And while it does bring lots of new functionality, it's familiar enough that I haven't felt like I needed to get training on using it. So 
uh, I think the adoption for this uh, will will be faster than the previous uh, experience adoptions that that I've gone through on our platform in the past. Right. Wow. Okay. So, Andrew, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. What's your favorite out of San Diego? Oh, it'll be hard for it to not be the next experience. Um, I love our our all of our products and capabilities, but we put a ton of effort into the next experience, and I think it really delivers on that vision for where we want to allow for wonderful experiences for all of our types of users, um, whether or not you're coming in through a portal or the main platform interface. And so I, I think next experience takes the cake. What, what is your favorite, Chuck? Oh, man. You, since you took next experience, I'm going to go with the ATF breakpoints and pause before rollback. I just think that is such an enabler that that allows people to do better development on their tests that that actually I now want to build more ATF because of those features. Oh, well, that that that's a compelling, <laughs> compelling argument then. So, um, you know, one thing that I want to encourage all of the listeners out there to do is go get uh, a brand new San Diego personal developer instance, or if you already have one, go ahead and get that thing upgraded and try it out and then let us know what your favorite things are and share those with your community and and see where we can uh, take this and, and, and run in the future. Thank you very much, Andrew. And thank you for joining us today. You've given us so much great information that you know, even if people have missed the Tech Now episode, I invite you to go back and watch it. You can find that at devlink.sn slash technow. And if you have already watched it, you've seen some of these things in action, like Andrew said, Go get your PDI onto San Diego and start testing this stuff out. And then show your friends, show your boss, show so they get excited about San Diego as well. There's a lot of value in here, not just for developers, but we've only talked about the platform and app engine things. There is so much more in ITSM and ITOM and employee workflows and customer workflows that we'd never get it done. Go get yourself a San Diego instance and start exploring right away and, uh, how can people get in touch with you, Andrew, if they want to know more? Oh, I love hearing from our customers out there. So you can uh, reach me on LinkedIn at Andrew Jason Barnes. Uh, you can send me an email at andrew.barnes at servicenow.com or over at Twitter for Andrew J. Barnes. Thank you so much. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcast because I'm sure they're going to have some San Diego content as well. You can find them all over at the community, community.servicenow.com under the resources menu, or you go to servicenow.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast or any of them for free to get them automatically delivered to you as they come out. Never miss a beat. Again, thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today and letting me share with your great audience. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Let's talk San Diego platform features with Andrew Barnes. You ready to make a podcast again? Oh, goodness. I, I, I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Okay.
It's a good thing I've done that twice before. And I am a product success um, management. Uh, oh, wow. That was horrible. I'm going to try that again. Sounds like a, I know you also do some. Uh, I'm gonna, I tripped over that one. Yeah, that's horrible. Just just leave that off. And <coughs> try that. Yeah. <sighs> Every time Andrew talks, I hear this home. I'm, I can't read anything. That does seem important. To Thank you very much. I almost said Eric. I'm going to edit this. Yeah, clearly. Now let's get out of here and go to the bar.